Thank you for tuning in to Conroe United Pentecostal Church today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. If there is ever anything we can do for you, please email admin at conroeupc.org. John chapter 8. John chapter 8. I have a lot of scriptures for us tonight. Amen. That affirm the word of God. They don't affirm my thoughts, but they affirm they affirm the principles of the word of God. John chapter 8 says this, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, I think it's a good thing for us to believe the Lord, amen. If you abide in, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. That is an imperative sentence. That's not something, uh, 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 that's not just the sentence that Jesus said in passing, but that is a sentence that God put a lot of weight behind, and there's a lot of scripture that backs up that one sentence, that if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And we'll get to a little bit, we'll break down that word abide a little more here in a few minutes, amen. Then verse 32 says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Aren't you glad that when you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you became free Amen. You became free of yesterday. You became free of your past. You became free of your failures. You became free of all of your embarrassments. We are now free indeed because his spirit lives in us. But we don't stay free just because we're filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The only way you stay free is to abide in the word of God. And verse 31 says, you got to hold on to it. Amen. The New International Version says this, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So you, we can interchange the, change the word hold and abide. If we hold on to God's word, we will be called his disciples. And then that truth that we've discovered through his word will make us free. You see, if you're fully committed to God's word, you will hold on to his word. Amen. Let me say that one more time. If you are truly, fully committed to God, you will hold on to his word. It's impossible to be committed to God without holding on to his word because John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So if you say that you are filled with the spirit, then his word abides in you because you are constantly holding on to his word, both figuratively and physically. You figuratively hold on to his word because you physically read his word and you have his word in your hands and then that transcends from not just a physical holding of the hands but it becomes something you hold in your heart. You hold the principles of his word strongly and true. I mean, don't just read the word in passing. Everybody say, don't just do it casually. Don't do it casually. Don't just look at it and then put it back on the shelf or back on the end table or back on the coffee table. Don't, don't just do that. But you have to make up in your mind to never put his word down. Amen. One verse says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. When his word is hid in your heart, that means his word emanates from your heart and out into, it's manifested into your actions because his word is powerful. His word forces us to change. Amen. When we do this, God will call us his disciples. 
God will call us his disciples. I don't want to just say that I like Jesus and I like going to church, but when people think of me, when people hear my name and they see me, I want them to associate we I want them to associate me as a follower of Christ. I want to be a person who is disciplined in his word and disciplined in his spirit and disciplined in the gifts and the fruit of the spirit. I want to be a disciple. That's the most important thing that you and I will ever be is a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whenever you hold on to God's word, then the truth of God's word will hold on to you. When you hold his word, his words will hold you. Aren't you thankful that he is not slack concerning his promise? Aren't you thankful that his promises are yea and they are amen? That is his word. Amen. The only thing that the only thing that the Lord is bound by is his word. The only thing, the only thing that he cannot change is his word. If he said it, he cannot change it. And he will not change it because his promises are yea and amen. Amen. So how so how do I make myself abide in his word and his word abide in me? How do I hold on to God's word. Well, first you have to make a strong foundation. Everybody say foundation. Foundation. Foundations are very, very, very important. Amen. One of my closest friends, many of you know him, he's actually my uncle, Myron. Myron Smith, he pastors down in Dickinson. Um, he, uh, he, he recently moved into a new house just three or four years ago. Not, it hasn't been very long ago at all. And shortly after he moved into his house, they realized that the ceiling was cracking. They realized that, that some of the doors weren't shutting. They realized that there was some issues in the house, and so they began to do their research, and Myron, is, he's, very, he's very handy. He's, he, he's very gifted with his hands and building things, and so he immediately knew that there was a foundation problem, and he could do all the work. He, 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 he could patch the cracks in the wall until he was sick of patching the cracks in the wall. He could have straightened the door. He could have, he could have cut the doors crooked to make it look straight. He could have done all kinds of things, but the problem was only going to get worse. So what they had to do is they had to dig holes, big channels underneath all the way across his house, and they went in and they put concrete beams to the bottom of the foundation, deep, deep, deep into the clay beneath his house because the foundation was not right. Church family, if we do not take the proper time, if we don't take, if we don't spend enough time forming a solid foundation, Everything that everybody sees is going to be messed up, and they're going to think that we've got problems up here, but we really don't have problems in this area of our life. We really have a problem where our spiritual foundation is. We really don't have marital problems. The marital problem is just the symptom of the foundation. We really don't have financial problems. We just have a symptom of a weak foundation, and we can't live our life. We can't manage our finances according to God's words. We're really not a bad parent. And we really don't have bad kids, even though it looks like it. We just have a foundation issue, and we got to take the time to build a proper foundation. Everybody say foundation. Foundation, foundation. When you're building a foundation, Brother Hobbs is a builder. He knows about this. You can't just use any dirt before you lay a slab, but you have to use a specific 
kind of dirt. In certain circumstances, you have to use two and three different types of dirt and then put clay on top before you ever set the forms to lay the slab. A foundation is very, very, very important. And I think it's important for us to spend a few minutes talking about the foundation of holding on to God's Word. Matthew chapter 7 says this, Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Why is it important that we build our house upon the rock? Uh, it's important because rocks don't shift, and the rock of our salvation is Jesus Christ. And the Word says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that means that is a safe place, that is a sure place for us to put the forms of our foundation that we will build our faith and our life upon. We must be built upon the rock, Jesus Christ. Uh, you might be asking, well, how do I do that? I know we hear about this a lot. I know, I know we talk about this a lot. I know this is Christian lingo, but really how do I build or how do I hold on to God's word? You see, you have to make God's word the foundation. You have to make the you have to make you have to make his word the center of everything. I mean, that means everything in your life is built upon it. That means your marriage is built upon it. That means your parenting skills and how you parent your children is built upon it. That means your finances is built upon it. That means your career is built upon it. That means your friend group is built upon the foundation of the Word of God. The Word of God is enough to get us to heaven. When we read His Word, His Word will come alive to us and we will get the revelation of how God intends us to live our life. Another word for revelation is we, is we, is we will get the reality. God's Word will... God's word will become the reality in which we need to line our life up to. I mean, because it's very important because verse 25, you won't see it on the screens, but verse 25 says that the storm is coming and the winds are coming. And if you build your house on the firm foundation, your house will not crumble. Obviously, that's a paraphrase, but that's the principle of verse 25. See, it's important to know, and I know it's not like, I know it's not what we like to hear at church. We like to come to church and get encouraged, and certainly I like to encourage you. When you leave here, I want you to leave encouraged, but we must stop here and realize that storms are coming. Storms are coming. If you haven't faced any problems in 2016, I know we're just, uh, we're wrapping up the first quarter of 2016. We're still, 2016 is still a baby. Some of us haven't had any problems yet. Uh, but if you haven't, know that problems are coming. A storm is coming. We can't stop the seasons of life. It's just something that happens. But we can make sure we have built a strong foundation so when the storm comes, our house will not be blown over. When the problems come, our faith will not waver. No matter what comes our way, if our foundation is strong, we will trust in the Lord and we will acknowledge His ways and that His ways are true and His ways are just and His ways will always lead us to eternal life. Everybody say eternal life. Eternal life. You see, I want to talk about holding on to God's promises, but I want to pause right now and talk about four wrong things to build your life on or four wrong things to hold on to in this life. Number one is pop culture, popular culture. That's something that we're very familiar with. We get used to one thing being popular, and as soon as we get used to it, guess what? It changes. I mean, that's why I don't dress 
popular. I just dress in a way that's going to be in style tomorrow because daddy can't afford to buy a new wardrobe every year. Amen, I'm not the only one. But we can apply that same principle to a lot more areas of life that aren't so humorous. Amen. Pop culture, we can't build our life and we can't base our life around popular culture. There, the world is always going to tell us to build our life in a way that contradicts God's word. The world will always, always, always do it. We've just come out of the award show season for Hollywood and Nashville and TV and Broadway, uh, New York. Uh, we've just come out of all of that stuff. And every year, there's a trend set for the year at the award season, at the Grammys. I, I don't know if you remember seeing it or hearing it last year that 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 during the Grammys, there was a, a humongous, humongous wedding of same-sex couples. It was something that was celebrated. It was something that was applauded by all, all those who dictate what popular culture is. Amen? But we do not, we do not, we should not, to, and I say tonight, I will not build my life upon what culture says, but I will build my life upon God's Word. Building your life upon popular culture is ensuring that your house is going to fall. You will rebuild your house every year because something else, uh, something else will be cool. Something else will be bad. Something else will not be right to do. Something else will not be socially acceptable. When you build your life and base your life upon popular culture or, 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 or whatever thing of the world is that interests you, you will always have to rebuild your life. What's popular will always change. It will always change. Face it, life in general always changes. We're part of a church that we're always changing how we do things. We're always changing what we do. The same is for your job. You will be put on a project, and a week or two weeks into the project, it will just be wrapping up, or maybe it's just now starting, and what happens? It changes, amen? That's what the world is about. The world is about change. Uh, God, uh, uh, what's popular is always going to change, uh, but truth will never change. Truth will never change. What it takes to get to heaven, what it takes to stay saved, what it takes to get saved, the plan of salvation will never change. A holiness lifestyle unto the Lord, not unto a church or not unto people, but a holy lifestyle unto the Lord will never change. It will always be right to be holy. It will always be right to live a modest lifestyle. And I'm not just talking about dress right now. I'm talking about our speech. I'm talking about our habits. Modesty must be something that we practice, holiness unto the Lord. Amen. Exodus chapter 23 says this, you shall not follow the crowd to do evil. You shall not follow the crowd to do evil. If the Lord instructed Moses to tell his people to not follow the crowd to do evil, I think the Lord would want the preachers of 2016 to instruct his people, the body of Christ, to not follow the crowd to do evil. If you're going to follow the crowd, make sure the crowd is doing something that is true, that is just. Uh, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things, uh, you know the list. Think on these things. Practice these things and live these things. Amen. 
Number two, I want to talk about tradition. I mean, we cannot build our life upon tradition. And I know when we start talking about not living our life according to tradition in the church, it, it gets tight. But let me tell you, I'm not talking about the tradition of the oneness of the Godhead and baptism in Jesus' name. I'm not talking about the traditions of the gospel. I'm talking about the traditions of man. Amen. And, ju- and just to solidify that, I, I want to read this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. You won't have this on the screens. I, I just This came to me right before church started. Verse 13 says, but we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of truth. Skip verse 14 and go to 15, and it says this, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. That tradition is talking about salvation in Jesus Christ. Okay, The tradition is not talking about the style of music that we worship to. The traditions are not talking about our southern gospel or our black gospel or our Christian contemporary music or whatever it is that you fill in. I'm not talking about that. That's what I'm talking about. We can't worship. I've known people that can't worship to one style of music, but man, they'll sing the exact same exact same song, but a different style, a different genre, and they'll do the Holy Ghost huckabuck. They'll stand and cry, but they can't stand and cry to the exact same song sung by different people or a different way. That means we're not worshiping God. We're worshiping our preference. It's important that we not worship our own preferences, but we lay our preferences aside, and if we're singing an old song, I'm going to worship. If we're singing a new song, I'm going to worship. If we do outreach one way this year, I'm going to put my all into it. If we change how we do outreach next year, if we change our Sunday school, if we change the stage, if we change the colors, no matter what we do, I'm going to worship because the traditions I live my life upon is God's word, not man-made things. It's important that we not get caught up in man-made things. And everything I'm talking about is good. I'm not talking bad about these things. But we must be careful that we worship the God of the things and not the thing itself. Can I get an amen? Amen. So it's very important. There's nothing wrong with our tradition. I believe in tradition. I'm a traditional guy. I, 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 I don't like things to change very much. I force myself to change how I do things because if you don't change, you're staying the same. And if you stay the same, eventually you're going to move backwards. But if it was just up to me, if I didn't push myself, if I didn't want to better myself, I would never change. I would never want to progress. I like tradition. However, we should never hang on to tradition at the expense of truth. We should never hang on to our traditions at the expense of truth. Mark chapter 7 says this, For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men. This isn't something that we just struggle with in the modern day church. This is something that the Apostle Paul had to write to. This is something that Jesus himself spoke about in Mark. Amen. Mark chapter 7. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men. I don't want to lay aside God's commandments for my own commandments and my own preferences, but I want my mind to be the mind of Christ. I want my will to match up with God's will. Can I get an amen? this evening. 
I mean, some get mad about all kinds of things. I don't, want to, I, I don't want to be the person that you have to walk on eggshells around. I don't want to be that person. I, I don't want to be the person that gripes about anything that changes. I don't want to be that person. I want to, I, I, I want to automatically think the good. Well, they change something. I don't want to think, oh, well, there's a problem. They had to change something. I haven't seen so-and-so doing this for a long time. There's a problem. I don't want to think there's a problem. I want to think, wow, I'm a part of a place that has vision. I'm a part of a church that's going places. Amen. Moving on to the next thing, because it kind of gets tight in here when we talk about our tradition. Number three, everybody say three. Three is our reasoning. Everybody say reason. Oftentimes we change things only because we thought about it, not because we prayed about it, not not, not not, because we sought wise counsel that Scripture instructs us to do, but just, well, I thought about this. I've been thinking about this for a while, and after, and, and, and you know, a while, a, a while nowadays is about 48 hours, and I thought about this for, I thought about this for a couple days, and so I'm going to make this major life decision. I'm going to make this major spiritual decision because I thought about something, because I reasoned with it. I, 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 I somehow came up with a logical explanation to just Justify to myself when the voice in the back of my head is telling me conviction is in my heart speaking to me I shouldn't do this but I reasoned with myself or I reasoned with so and so so it's okay oftentimes we change things only because we think about it amen Proverbs Proverbs chapter 16 says this there is a way that seems right doesn't that sound like reasoning there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. If we just rely upon our emotion, if we rely just upon how we feel and what we think, uh, we will eventually wind up dead. Think about it. Some... At some point, there was a crazy person on the freeway, on a motorcycle, that thought it would have been a good idea to drive 100 miles an hour doing a wheelie. And he wrecked, and he didn't make it. We've all heard the stories, right? He reasoned with himself that that was going to be cool, that was going to be fun. Whenever we reason when something seems right to us, uh, it eventually ends up that it might possibly lead us to a path of eternal damnation or spiritual death. Don't do what seems right, but do what God's word says is right. Do what his word says is right. If that means you have to change, change. If that means you have to admit that you made a mistake, admit that you made a mistake. If that means that you get embarrassed, that means that there's a little bit of pride in you that you need to do with. It's all right to say, I'm wrong, I'm sorry, and I'm going to correct my mistakes. Amen. There's nothing wrong with saying that. In fact, it takes a bigger man or a bigger lady, if you not, not in stature, ladies. I'm not talking about your size. But it takes, it takes a bigger person of character. It takes a person of, of, of high integrity to own up to their mistakes and realize and admit that my reasoning led me down this path that led me away from the house of God and the things of God and the mind of God for my life. Next is feelings. Your feelings will lie to you. Reasoning and feelings are really, really close because, uh, 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 because they're both our senses. They're both, uh, they're both so closely tied together with our emotions. Amen. But our feelings will lie to us. Feelings are wonderful, but they can't be trusted. Amen. 
Feelings are wonderful, but they can't be trusted. How many of you have made a decision because it felt right? And then a few weeks or a few days later, you realize that you made a mistake. I've done that. I mean, I, mean, I, I think if we were all honest, we could raise our hands and say that when we base life on our feelings and when we base decisions on our feelings, we are often, often left in in, in a big mess. Feelings are wonderful, but they can't be trusted. Judges chapter 21 says this. In those days, uh, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Everybody did what they thought was right. Everybody did what they felt was right. We cannot rely upon popular culture. We cannot rely upon our tradition. We cannot rely upon our reasoning or our feelings. We have to base the foundation of our life and holding on to God's word around God's word itself. Can I get an amen? Amen, amen. Um, This same passage in the message translation says this, people did whatever they felt like doing. They just did whatever they felt like doing. Moving on, making it the first part of my daily life. How do I hold on to God's word? I make it the first thing I do every morning when I wake up. I, 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 I make the Lord, I make his word, I make devotion time the first priority of my day before I get on Facebook, before I check my email, before I go drink my cup of community coffee or Folgers or whatever it is that you drink, uh, your tea, whatever it is, uh, before I do that, I'm going to spend a few minutes with the Lord. I'm going to have some quiet time that might turn into noisy time, but I'm going to spend time with the Lord. Matthew 6 and 33 says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The two key words are, you can probably, you can probably say it, seek first. Everybody say, seek first. Seek first. It's important to realize, it's important for us not just to realize, but to understand and know deep down within our soul that when we focus on God, God will focus on us. When we focus on God, he will always focus on us. Uh, Yes, I know that God will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Uh, Yes, I know those scriptures. And yes, uh, I know that we can never outrun him. We can never escape him. He's an omnipresent God. He's an omniscient God. He's everywhere and knows everything all the time. I understand that. But scripture indicates that when we seek him first, uh, then he will give us the desires of our hearts. His righteousness will be added unto us. So that means whenever I put him first, uh, he's going to put me first. Uh, I'm thankful that I'm thankful that I am a priority to the Lord. I'm thankful that I am one of his children. Amen. There's three, there's four important people in my life. There's my wife and there's my three kids. They take priority over everything. I'm talking about in this earth. I'm not talking about the spiritual realm, okay? Those four people, they take priority over everything. And if those four people take the highest priority in my life, how much more of a priority do you think we take in the mind of Christ? How how much do you think the Lord wants to come to our rescue whenever we call on his name, whenever we ask him to forgive us of our sins, whenever we humble ourselves and and ask him to change our heart and to empty us of sin and fill us with his righteousness. Seek first. Seek first. When you wake up, 
Don't go straight to Facebook. It's easy to do, isn't it? Especially if you have a smartphone. It's easy to do, but we should go straight to the Word of God. Go straight to the Word of God. How many of you, how many of you are never, are ne- never, 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 ever within an arm's length away from your phone? 24 hours a day. See, nobody wants to raise their hands, but it's true. We are all, our phone is always when we sleep, when we go to the restroom, when we eat, no matter what we do, our phone is close by, isn't it? It's the crazy world that we live in. It's not going to change. A lot of us wish, at times I wish it would change. At times my wife really wishes it would change because of my phone. But, but the reality is the world is not going to change. We are a world that, we are a world that is pushed and driven by technology But there is something that we can do. I believe that we can still sacrifice of ourselves and we can put our own desires aside and we can be, and and though we live in the world, we are not of the world. And what drives us is the word of God. What drives us is the principles of, of God's word. So therefore, when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to seek first his word. I'm going to go straight to his word. And I have a little formula that, that I, that, that I want to challenge you to a 21-day trial. Everybody say 21 days. Why 21 days? Because it takes 21 days to start a new habit. Every, every morning for the next 21 days, here's what I want us to do. I want us to spend five minutes in God's Word. Everybody say five minutes in God's Word. Number two, five minutes in worship. Everybody say five minutes in worship. And then five minutes in prayer. Everybody say prayer. Amen. Five minutes in the Word. Note that, that, that if you bump that five minutes a day up to 15 minutes a day, so if you add 10 minutes to that five minutes, you can read the entire Bible in 365 days. So 15 minutes a day is enough for you to read the entire Word of God. A good, a good way to do that is you divide that 15 minutes up into five minutes. You read five minutes of the New Testament. To, you read five minutes of anywhere, of, of anywhere in the Old Testament, and then you spend five minutes in these two books. The third section is Psalms, and then five minutes in Proverbs. So once you read Psalms, you go to uh, you will go to Proverbs. It works out because Proverbs comes right after Psalms. So. Five minutes in the New Testament, five minutes anywhere in the Old Testament, except for Psalms and Proverbs. And then at minute 11, you go to Psalms and Proverbs, and you get a little bit of everything. That way you're not spending 15 minutes going, reading so-and-so begat so-and-so, and and he begat so-and-so, because that's going to be a long 15 minutes. Everybody say, oh, mercy. That's the easiest way to fall asleep is just to get stuck reading one style of Scripture, one style of writing in the Bible. But if you split it up, the time will go by a lot faster. If you're too busy to read, maybe maybe you're like I am. You wake up at the very last second and you run straight and you get dressed and then you're rushing your kid to school trying to beat the bell and sometimes you do and sometimes you don't get so lucky. Maybe you're like me and because of your procrastination you can't sit down with a Bible in your hand. How many of you have the Bible on your phone? How many of you have the Bible? That's, that's almost everybody. If you don't, I encourage you to download the app if you don't have a flip phone. I think Popsy has the flip phone still. He's holding down the old paths, praise the Lord. He's holding down the traditions. 
Amen. But for the most part, we all have some form of smartphone or we all have a tablet of some form. You can get the Bible app on there, and if you can't read the Bible, you probably shouldn't read the Bible driving to Houston or driving to work. You shouldn't do that. But you can listen to it. The, uh, you can push play in the Bible, and it will play to you. And you can even select the accent. My wife has this British or Australian accent. Drives me up the wall. Because after she listens to it, then she has to talk like that for 15 minutes. But I'm just thankful that she's getting the word in her heart. Bless God. Bless God. See, we live in a world that's fast-paced and changing, but even with all the changes that's going on, we can still find, there's no excuse that we can't spend 15 minutes in God's Word. There's no excuse that we can't spend 15 minutes in prayer. Amen. So five minutes alone just reading the Word of God. Amen. So Psalms 119 and 105 says this, Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If you're confused with what the next step in life is, get to the Word of God and His Word will become a lamp into your feet and it will clear out any confusion that you may have in your life. Next is five minutes in worship. Everybody say worship. Worship is powerful. I preached about this this past Sunday night. Worship is just just me talking about worship at the beginning of the sermon, at the beginning of my message. It changed. It wasn't my words. It wasn't my knowledge, but it was when we just talk about worship, the atmosphere changes because our minds and our heart begin to focus not on ourselves but on God. And the same thing can happen every day for you when you spend five minutes in personal worship. Listen to music that points, listen to music that points your mind towards heaven. I know you might say, well, I'm not a music person. I don't like music. I've got news for you. You probably don't want to go to heaven then. You don't want to go to heaven if you're not a music person uh, because that's what is going to be in heaven, music nonstop. Uh, It's always been. Why do you think Lucifer was kicked out? Because he wasn't playing music correctly. He let things get in between what he was supposed to do and what he did. Amen? So it's important that we spend time in worship. That's why our services contain a time of worship because worship is when we do not focus on ourselves. And, and, and we're not worried about receiving, but we're worried about giving. Amen. Uh, worship is very important. Fine. If you like Southern Gospel, get you some Southern Gospel. Listen to it. Uh, fall in love with it. Cry to it. Uh, shout to it. Get, uh, pull on the side of the road and, and just do the spiritual helicopter and just spin around and do your thing. Do whatever you got to do, but worship the Lord. To, uh, uh, no, matter, uh, 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 no matter who's singing it or how singing it, spend time in worship. Psalms 34 says this, His praise shall continually be in my mouth. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will bless the Lord at all times. Amen. That's something that I want to do. And then lastly, I want to talk about five minutes in prayer. Philippians chapter 4 says this, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, here's a key word, let your request be made known unto God. And then this is very key. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Thanksgiving, request, and the peace of God. That is the formula. 
We should start our day with thanksgiving. We should start our prayer with thanksgiving. And then after we, after we move past that time of thanksgiving, we say, God, look, this is what I'm worried about. This is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm facing. This is my request that I'm making known unto you. And the word of God says, and we've already established that the word of God will stand the test of time. God cannot change God's promise in his word that if we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and then we let our requests be made known unto God, God, the next phrase, so thanksgiving plus request equals the peace of God that passes all understanding. You might say, well, I spend time in prayer, but I don't feel peace. Is the formula correct? Is it just thanksgiving only, or is it request only? You have to put the two together. Why? Because I give thanks to a God who is holy, and when, and when I verbalize my request, I'm not really verbalizing my problems. I'm verbalizing my humanity. I'm verbalizing that I cannot make it on my own, and my request is really just a symptom that I am not God. I am not a mortal man. I am a being that is dependent upon the moving of the Spirit in my life. And so the thanksgiving, the praise in our lips leads us to our humanity or our request and that equals in a time of worship the peace of God that passes all understanding. Light and darkness cannot dwell in the same house. So how do you think the peace of God or how do you think confusion and worship can dwell well in the same house. A confused person cannot worship. It can't happen. Why? Because scripture says that confusion is not of the Lord. Confusion is not of the Lord. If you are confused, you can't worship. But when you can fall on your face and repent of your sins and be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then you can enter into a realm of worship where you can make your request known unto God. And when we make our request known, the peace that passes understanding come to us. Can we just take a second and give God praise for his peace tonight? The first step to developing a faithful prayer and devotion time, the very first step is, is just to be faithful with these steps for 21 days. Five minutes, five minutes of reading God's word, five minutes of worship, Turn some music on in the background and just begin to tell God how good he is. Let the music set the atmosphere that you need to feel from the Lord. And then five minutes, five minutes of prayer. Amen. And so the next thing that I want to talk about with how we hold on to God's word is, is we make it grow deeper. We make God's word grow deeper in our life. We make his word abide into us. Colossians chapter 3 Verse 16 says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, and hymns and in spiritual songs. So if you're not a music person, it's going to be hard to be a Christian because the Word of God says that you have to admonish yourself in songs and in hymns. Amen. And singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Amen. Now, I just pointed to the last half of the Scripture, but I want to focus uh, on the very first word of the Scripture, let. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you. God's word will not dwell in you if you don't let it. God's word will not dwell in you if you don't take the time to get in God's word. How can we be spiritual but we spend no time doing spiritual things? We have to let 
his word. We have to open the door of our heart, the door of our mind, the door of our motives, and we have to let all of our stuff go so that he can come in. You have to make up in your mind that you will make yourself grow spiritually. Popsy, you've been serving the Lord for a long time. It hasn't always been easy. There's been days that you didn't want to read your Bible, I'm sure. I'm sure in your ministry there was times that you didn't want to preach, but you got up and you preached and you did that. What, why, why was he doing? What was he doing when he did that? He was letting the word of Christ dwell in him richly. He was letting the spirit flow through him. God is not going to flow through a vessel that does not want him to flow through it. We have to let ourselves. That's why we all, we've all heard it. You know, when the dear sister or dear brother's at the altar praying for the Holy Ghost, you got one guy screaming, yield to it, yield to it. And the next person saying, no, 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 don't let go, don't let go. Keep on, keep on doing what you're doing. And the next guy, you know, that everybody's just contradicting each other. It's something that we laugh about. But we do have to yield ourselves to God's word. We have to let his word abide. We have to make ourselves grow deeper. You did not just fall in love with your wife or your husband or your significant other, your, uh, your husband or wife-to-be. That, that, that did not happen. You had to make that happen. Well, it was just so strong. I just couldn't control myself. And, and you know, we just, it just happened. No, it did not just happen. You had to put some effort. You had to put some energy. You made it happen. You, you sir, forsook your other friends that were wanting to go play golf, that were wanting to fish. You were made fun of because you didn't go hunting that weekend because you wanted to spend time with Sweet Thing. My dad is still mad at me. We used to hunt every year when I was a teenager. And then, and then I turned seven. 17 or 18, and me and that sweet little girl in the back, we thought we fell in love, and so I quit going hunting. I, I, I just quit. I, I, me and Dad would go up. We would drive a couple hours, and, and I would leave Dad after a day out there. I'd take my own car, and he'd be out there and have to do all the work himself because I was coming back to Houston to sweet. Uh, I was coming back to Houston to see Sweet Thing. That didn't just happen. I didn't uncontrollably drive my car from Houston to San Antonio and San Antonio back to Houston in, in, in 24 or 48 hours. No, I made that happen. If we're going to fall in love with the Lord, we are going to have to make it happen. We're going to have to make, we have to make up in our mind, no matter what happens, I'm going to serve the Lord. No matter what's going on in my life this week, I'm going to the house of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. I want to end with this little illustration right here. I'm sure you've been wondering why I have a glass of water and a bag of tea up here. And I just want, I just want you to see this. That I, can put this I can put this right here. I can poke it down in there, and I can pull it out. And before I ruin my nice Bible, let me move that. I can just drop that bag of tea down there, and then I can pull it up. And I don't have tea. I don't have it. That's kind of like us sometimes. We just go to church, see... We're this right here. We're the glass of water. This is God's presence. This is his word. We can go to church and we can whoop, boom. We can let it dunk in and then we leave real quick and nothing happens. We can leave it for a few more seconds and you can see it's starting to get darker and we pull it out. Well, well, if I took a drink of this right now, it wouldn't taste like tea. It would taste like some form of hybrid something, you know, but if I leave it in here for a while and I'll stir it up, what's going to happen before long, what you see is going to transform. You are watching it transform right now before your very eyes. I no longer have clear 
water, but the water is being transformed into tea. And I know that's a very simple illustration, but when we can see something like this, it's very evident that the same thing happens in our life whenever we are rooted in God's Word, whenever we hold on to God's Word. What is in us changes. Our desires change. What we look like changes. Everything about us is different because the Word of God is abiding in us. That tea bag is abiding in the glass of water, so there is no longer water in a few more minutes. That is now tea. The same thing goes for our spiritual bodies. Whenever we let the Word of God, whenever we let the Spirit of God dwell in us, we change. We are no longer the same person. We no longer like the same things. We no longer go the same places. Amen. Stand with me this evening. It's, it's important. There's three things that we can do to maintain. Three things that we can do and then I'm done. Number one, three things we have to do, I should say. Number one is you need to read the Bible. Well, I, I, all, all the these and nows, all the begats and begots, I don't get that. Get, get a translation that you like. One of my favorite translations to read to study is the New Living Translation and then the English Standard Version, ESV. It's amazing. It's amazing. The doctrine isn't changed. It's just like reading the King James Version, but it's more of our style and our culture. It really, the Word of God will really come alive to you. If you struggle reading the King James, read the New Living Translation or the English Standard. The Word of God will come alive to you. Next is get on a devotion plan. Get, get on a devotion plan. Because if you just wake up and say, well, i got to spend my 15 minutes this morning doing this and doing that, it's going to become monotonous. It's going to become hard to do. Find, find a devotion plan on your Bible app, on your phone, or your tablet. There's so many devotion plans that will take you through. It can be 90 days. It can be a whole year that, that will really help the Word of God come alive to you. Lastly, is surround yourself with friends who are going the same direction as you are. You have to surround yourself with people who are going the same direction. You can't hang out with sinners and expect to stay righteous. You can't hang out in the pig pen and expect to stay clean. No, we still have to be associated with the pig pen. We still got to get the lost. We still got to get the prodigal son. We still have to reach those people, but we cannot abide there. God's word must abide in us. Ephesians chapter 6 says this, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done so, stand. Like I said at the beginning, the storm is coming. The evil, the evil days are coming, but God's word is a weapon. You can go read the whole chapter of, of Ephesians chapter 6, and it talks about the, blessed, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit. It talks about spiritual warfare. We have to make the Word of God are a weapon in our life. Uh, the weapons we use are not carnal, but the weapons we use are God's Word. God's Word can get us through the weak moments when the enemy has come in like a flood against us. Amen. Why don't you lift your hands and let's go to the Lord in prayer this evening. Thank you.